At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 400 true stories of the Old West. Also, soon to be available, my first book titled Coal Miner to Cowboy, historical fiction based on true events. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Montana, and rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He also travels with a wagon train. On his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and will soon be available on Amazon. Hi folks, Dr. History here with another story, but today it's not a story from the Old West. Now this is a story that I told several years ago at Christmas time, but I thought it appropriate to share this with you again. To me, it kind of uh, tells the true spirit of Christmas. So if you don't mind, I'd like to read this story to you that I found quite, quite good. Many years ago, uh, it happened in December of 1970. As the midnight hour told, unhappy passengers clustered around ticket counters, conferring anxiously with agents whose cheerfulness had long since evaporated. They, too, wanted to be home. A few people managed to doze in uncomfortable seats. Others gathered at the newsstands to thumb silently through paperback books. If there was a common bond among this diverse throng, it was loneliness. Pervasive, inescapable, suffocating loneliness. But airport decorum required that each traveler maintain his invisible barrier against all the others. Better to be lonely than to be involved, which inevitably meant listening to the complaints of gloomy and disheartened fellow travelers. The fact of the matter was that there were more passengers than there were available seats on any of the planes. When an occasional plane managed to break out, more travelers stayed behind than made it aboard. The words standby and reservation confirmed and first-class passenger, settled priorities, and bespoke money, power, influence, foresight, or the lack thereof. Gate 67 in Atlanta was a microcosm of the whole cavernous airport. Scarcely more than a glassed-in cubicle, it was jammed with travelers hoping to fly to New Orleans, Dallas, and points west. Except for the fortunate few travelers in traveling in pairs, there was little conversation at Gate 67. A salesman stared absently into space. 
as if resigned. A young mother cradled an infant in her arms, gently rocking in a vain effort to soothe the soft, whimpering baby. Then there was a man in a finely tailored gray flannel suit who somehow seemed impervious to the collective suffering. There was a certain indifference about his manner. He was absorbed in paperwork, figuring the year-end corporate profits, perhaps. A nerve-frayed traveler sitting nearby, observing this busy man, might have identified him as an Ebenezer Scrooge. Suddenly, the relative silence was broken by a commotion. A young man in military uniform, no more than 19 years old, was in animated conversation with the desk agent. The boy held a low-priority ticket. He pleaded with the agent to help him get to New Orleans so that he could take the bus to the obscure Louisiana village he called home. The agent wearily told him the prospects were poor for the next 24 hours, maybe longer. The boy grew frantic. Immediately after Christmas, his unit was to be sent to Vietnam, where at that time, of course, the war was raging. And if he didn't make this flight, he might never again spend Christmas at home. Even the businessman looked up from his cryptic computations to show a guarded interest. The agent clearly was moved, even a bit embarrassed, but he could only offer sympathy, not hope. The boy stood at the departure desk, casting anxious looks around the crowded room as if seeking just one friendly face. Finally, the agent announced that the flight was ready for boarding. The travelers, who had been waiting for long hours, heaved themselves up, gathered their belongings, and shuffled down the small corridor to the waiting aircraft. Twenty, thirty, a hundred, until there were no more seats. The agent turned to the frantic young soldier and shrugged. Inexplicably, the businessman had lingered behind. Now he stepped forward. I have a confirmed ticket, he quietly told the agent. I'd like to give my seat to this young man. The agent stared incredulously. Then he motioned to the soldier. Unable to speak, tears streaming down his face, the boy in olive drab shook hands with the man in the gray flannel suit, who simply murmured, Good luck. Have a fine Christmas. Good luck. As the plane door closed and the engines began their rising whine, the businessman turned away, clutching his briefcase, and trudged towards the all-night restaurant. No more than a few among the thousands stranded there at the Atlanta airport witnessed the drama at Gate 67. But for those who did, the sullenness, the frustration... The hostility all dissolved into a glow. That act of love and kindness between strangers had brought the spirit of Christmas into their hearts. The lights of the departing plane blinked, star-like, as the craft moved off into the darkness. The infant slept silently now in the lap of the young mother. Perhaps another flight would be leaving before many more hours, but those who witnessed the interchange were less impatient. The glow lingered gently and pervasively in that small glass and plastic stable at gate 67. So, folks, 
I thought I would share that with those of you who uh, might be struggling at this time or uh, those that maybe look for an opportunity to help those in need. And at this time, uh, folks, I would like to just wish you a very Merry Christmas. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.